I believe that that's what God wants to do in your life, in our lives together as a church that God wants to be doing new things in our lives, that he wants to be uh, bringing about new fruits for him, uh, that as we draw closer through prayer, as we're talking about in this message series, uh, and in the next message series, we're going to be continuing that theme, talking about surrender. What does it mean to give my life over to God, to make Jesus the Lord, the leader of my life? And you can be preparing for that in your bulletins. We've got our next Bible reading plan, and I just want to encourage you, if you've never done one of these with us, let this be the one that you start with. The Bible reading plan, it's a pretty simple thing each day uh, that we go through and we read scripture together. Um, It helps us so that when we come into this place that we are already, that that God is already working in our lives through the power of his word, uh, inspiring us and, and, and prepping us to be able to go deeper in God's word together. So I invite you to do that. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. Uh, Whether you're joining us here in person or whether you're with us online, I'm just so thankful that you're joining us for worship. Uh, We're continuing this message series on prayer, and I just have really been enjoying this, getting to share more about how we draw closer to God. Uh, Each week has been great. Uh, First week, we ask God, God, would would you meet with us? We want to meet with you. We want to know you. You're the creator of the whole universe, and yet you care about the details of our everyday life. Then second, we ask God, God, who are you? How do I get to know you, the creator of the universe, the Lord of my life? Who are you? So we spent some time focusing on the nature of God. Then uh, last week we asked God, God, would you help me to hear you? Because I want to not only talk to you, but I want to hear your voice as well. Prayer, it's not just a one-way conversation where I'm giving God instructions. It's a a two-way conversation here. And then today we say to God, God, would you search me? Search me. Now that, I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds, sounds kind of dangerous. Search me is not something we normally just say, right? Like, I mean, well, at least I don't. Maybe for you, maybe like on a Friday night, you get your bags and you go to the airport to go to TSA just for the fun of it, right? You know, so you can like, search me, here I am. I mean, you could, I guess. It would be a little odd, a little awkward. Although, if, if more of the workers were like this guy, maybe you'd be more likely to go more often, right? I mean, he really brings the fun to TSA right there. But normally, we don't think that searching is fun. So we say, well, why? Why would you invite someone? Why would you ask God to search you? Why would you ask that? There's really only two reasons, I think. And the first is that you're confident that you're clean, okay? If, if you're confident that you're clean, it's no big deal to ask to be searched. One time, my family, we were on vacation. We went to Disney World a few years ago when the kids were younger. And I don't know if they still do, but at the time, like, you were allowed to, like, bring in a bag and you could have, like, lunch in it or something like that. So we kind of did that every day. And so in the mornings, we'd get up and kids would be getting ready. Jennifer would pack our lunch and book bag. Uh, I would uh, fire off a few emails and uh, we would go, right? It's kind of how we started the day. So we got to the park that day, and uh, she's carrying in the bag, and you know, you get to that security place where they've got to search you. They've got to search anything like this, anything that they can't see in, right? So they, they set it up on the table, and the guy opens it, 
And if you've been to Disney, you know how like the entire park, like the entire universe there, they're all on point with this like cheery, happy kind of vibe, right? And, and this guy had it too, right? He's like, hey, let's see what we got. Oh, we, we got some carrots. We've got some dessert. That's great. We've got some nuts in there. We've got some bars, I guess. We've... What is this? Now, you see, there's a sign there, right, that clearly lists the things you can't bring into Disney World, right? Number one, guns. Number two, drugs. Number three, metal objects large enough to disembowel Donald Duck. It, right here, right? It's, it's kind of obvious. Now, and, and so, you know, the family, we, we see this, and of course, we being a very tight-knit family, the kids and I take a big step back from Jennifer, don't know what's going to happen next, right? Because it's got serious all of a sudden. And when I told her I was going to share this story, she says, well, who's going to share my side of the story? <laughs> well, that's where you all come in, okay? All right? So not to worry. You all are going to share her side of the story. And you have to do it really well because if you don't, she's going to be really mad at me, you because <laughs> important, right? So he says, what is this? And she says, and you're going to say this, in your nicest, friendliest, I used to be captain of the cheerleading squad kind of voice, okay? It's scissors. I know it's scissors. Why is it in your bag? And you say, so I can open the yogurts that are really hard to open. You're kind of choking, I'm not going to lie. Needless to say, that was not a compelling argument for him whatsoever. Thankfully, she didn't have to go to, like, Mickey jail or something like that. They were able, she was able to take it back out to the car. But searching, we don't like to be searched. I mean, even when you think that you're clean, what, what if you're not? What if you've accidentally got the scissors, right? But the second reason... The second reason, and this is relevant for today, that you would ask to be searched is you trust the searcher to make you better. You actually believe that through the process of being searched that you could be better, that this is for your own good. A couple weeks ago, I joined a new club. It's the Colonoscopy Club. (laughs) Awesome, right? (laughs) And, you know, I got to say, I wasn't that excited about this. I thought I had a few years to go, but we've got some history in the family or whatever. And so they said, no, you're going to be on the early crowd for this, right? And, uh, uh, you know, as a whole, uh, thankfully, good report or whatever. But the, the going and going without eating, I hated that, right? Like, that's, I'm not really a big fan of that. But, but, you know, I was happy to do the test because I trust that the searcher has my best interests in mind, that if I've got a problem, I want to know about that, and I want to get that fixed, right? Because that could be a life-saving thing. I trust the searcher, that the searcher could actually make me better. Today, we're going to look at the words of David, a man after God's own heart. And, and David is going to ask God to search him. And before we do that, I just want to invite you to ask God that same question, to say, God, would you search my heart today? Maybe you came in here and you're like, oh gosh, I don't don't know if I want that at all. I just, I invite you, in fact, I challenge you 
to just maybe take a step of openness and say, God, here's my heart. Would you search me today? So, Lord, here we are. We've come here to worship you. We've come here to tell you how good you are. And, God, now we ask that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would search me, that you would search my heart, that you would look at me through your grace, your love, your holiness, and your truth. Show me what inside of me is not of you. Cleanse me. Heal me. Make me more like you, Lord Jesus. We love you and pray this in your name. Amen. David was an incredible king a lot of the time. He was oftentimes humble and kind and caring. He was brave and courageous. But some of the time, he wasn't so great. There was that whole Bathsheba thing, you might remember, where David was deceiving, he was uh, committing adultery, he was committing murder, okay? So David's got some extremes going on, that on the one hand, his heart is so aligned to God, and on the other ways, uh, other hand, sometimes it was not at all aligned to God's ways in his life. And so David prays in Psalm 139, and he says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We're going to stay in those verses this morning. We're going to be there uh, throughout the message uh, because it's so central to what we're talking about. God, would you search me? That's a life-changing prayer. And, and we've, there's kind of four pieces of it that we need to understand. The first is real basic, search me. God, would you, would you search my heart? And, and you might say, okay, cool, I've, I've got, a, I got a pretty good heart when you think about it. I mean, I've got neighbors, I've got friends, they don't have such good hearts, but I, I, I've got a, a pretty good heart, so go ahead and search it. Well, not so fast. Jeremiah kind of reigns on that parade when he says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. Deceitful, desperately wicked. Come on, Jeremiah, that's, that doesn't seem very kind, but he's honest. Our hearts, all of us, even King David, a man after God's own heart, had stuff in there that led to some seriously messed up actions. And the problem is that when we look at ourselves, it's hard, it's hard to kind of see ourselves honestly sometimes, right? Uh, and, and, and we're not always fair. We oftentimes kind of grade on a curve. That when, when I look at myself, we, we judge others based on their actions, but we judge ourselves based on our et- intentions, right? So I look at you, and I judge you ba- based on what you do, right? Where when I look at me, I kind of evaluate myself differently. I say, well, I, I know I screwed up, but I didn't mean to. I wasn't really what I was. I was trying to do the right thing. My, my heart was in the right place. It's not exactly fair. It's kind of a double standard that we do. We judge others based on their actions, but we evaluate ourselves based on our intentions. We look at the person who, who buys the, the fancy, new, expensive outfit, right? And, and we look at her and we say, she's so full of herself. She's so proud. She's so arrogant, you know. But then we look at ourselves, we say, well, I can't help it if I look so good, right? I mean, I don't know. Or we look at somebody and we say, 
we look at, or maybe we, we say, I don't, I don't gossip, you know, I don't gossip. I just, I share detailed prayer requests about people who are struggling, but I would never gossip. No, no, not at all, right? I'm not materialistic. I just like nice stuff. We, we have a way, we have a way of kind of excusing our own stuff and holding everybody else to higher standards. So, so search us, God. Search us. Know our hearts. In fact, today we're going to give a little bit of time later in the message just to pray and to ask God that question. God, would you search us? And I'm praying that you'll hear the voice of God in your hearts. I know it's a, maybe a scary, maybe seemingly a dangerous prayer because God may show us things in our hearts that aren't pure. God does this, though, not to be cruel, not to be mean to us. He does it so that we can be healed so that we can be made right, so that we can grow closer and closer in deeper intimacy with, with our Heavenly Father. It's a powerful prayer because it draws us closer to God. So David prayed. He said, first, search my heart. Then second, reveal my fears. Reveal my fears. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, the psalmist says. What do you fear? A woman was talking to her husband one day, and she said, do you know what I fear the most? I fear that as time goes on that we're going we're gonna to get older, and we're going to grow apart slowly but surely. And, and eventually, as we grow apart, there'll just be less love in our lives, and, and eventually you'll, you'll meet somebody else, and you'll just move on. And that's scary. She said, well, what, what do you fear? what do you fear? And he sits there for a moment, and he looks up, and he says, bears. <laughs> so we're talking more about the former fear than bears, spiders, and snakes, right? Like, those are actually viable things to be afraid of. That's what keeps us alive. But seriously, what are those deeper fears in your life? What, what are they? Because those fears... They tell us something about ourselves. I was, was listening to a sermon, and the preacher said it this way. He said, what you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. What you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. If I fear that my kids will grow up to be total jack wagons, it tells you I'm probably not trusting the Lord with my kids. If I fear that I'm not going to be able to retire, right, and have the money saved up. It shows you that perhaps I'm, I'm not living by God's financial principles, and I'm not turning my finances over to God. I'm trying to do it my own way, and I'm maybe hoarding or maybe just spending it all on stuff I shouldn't be. If, if we fear that, if I fear that our church won't come through this season of pandemic strong, then maybe it's showing that I'm not trusting Jesus, the true leader of our church. What is it for you? Our fears, they can show, they can show us real clearly where we trust God the least. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't plan or work. Of course we do. That, that's faithfulness. That's faithful living. But we trust God. We trust God. Maybe for you, you're, you're not putting yourself up for that promotion at work or that new opportunity because you're scared. 
Maybe you're here today and that's what you needed to hear. Maybe it's time to put that fear away and to trust the Lord. Maybe God's prompting you to, to join a life group or, or a band, a place where, where you can encounter just life on life with others and, and, and be challenged and, and challenge others and, and grow in your faith. But you, you like to keep people at arm's length. And so as a result, you've been scared and you haven't done that. Maybe God's been calling you to tithe, but you're scared about the sacrifices that might take in your life. So you say, no, I'll do that someday. Maybe God's been calling you to speak a loving but difficult word to somebody, and you've just been kind of putting it off, putting it off, not doing it because you're scared. You're scared about how they might respond, or you're scared that it might damage the relationship. What you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. You see, when you ask God to reveal your fears, God may reveal things to you that you've been unable to see in your life, things that you've been just putting off, that you've been shoving down, that you've been kind of plugging your ears to the voice of God, maybe even for years. We get really good at shielding ourselves from our insecurities. We get really good at pushing those things down and and trying to ignore them. And that means we don't sometimes take action on the things that God's calling us to take action on. Now, there's a third part of the prayer. And this is a tough one, but it's a powerful one. David says, reveal my sins. Verse 24, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's so easy to see sin in others, but it's really hard to see it in the mirror, is it not? We tend to accuse others but excuse ourselves, right? We tend to point the finger at others and make excuses about my own behavior. And that's why we resist searching. We're we're fine if God's searching everybody else. He should be doing that after all. But me, I have a good heart. I'm I'm trying really hard. I'm going to get there, right? Just we tend to accuse others and excuse ourselves. Reveal my sins, God. How do you do this? How do you do this? It's hard to see our own sins. Well, just three simple questions. First, what are others telling me that I'm unwilling to see? Maybe you you look at other people have been saying something to you and telling you about this, and you just don't want to see it. You're just putting up that, nope, I, I don't want to see that. They can see a side of you that you can't. Okay? They can see a side of you that you can't. Second, what am I rationalizing? What am I rationalizing? We are really good at rationalizing, right? Like what are, especially with those sins that we do over and over and over because we get used to them and we, so we kind of make some excuses, right, that, that help us to feel better about it, right? I, I'm not really lusting after her. I'm Admiring God's beautiful creation, that's it. Admiring God's beautiful creation in a semi-covetous way. No, I don't want to say it that way. That's not good. Uh, We rationalize. We rationalize. Jesus cares a lot about the matters of our heart. In fact, he even said something so wild as he said that if you look at a person with lust in your heart, that you've committed adultery with them in your heart already. Wow. I heard a guy say, well, 
I've tried both lust and adultery. They're actually quite different. (laughs) Factually accurate, I'm sure. But Jesus is making a point that he's saying that the way that the condition of our hearts, the way that our hearts are operating, this is going to lead to action in our lives, right? These, the condition of our hearts, because when we, when we speak, it's like we open our mouth and our heart pops out. Jesus says that we speak out of the abundance of our hearts. When we act, it's out of the abundance of what's in our hearts. And that's why we say, God, search me. God, search me because I need you to see what's messed up in here, what's not aligned with your ways. Because what's not aligned in here is eventually likely to come out in action. And even if it doesn't come out in action, it's limiting my relationship with you, God, because my sins separate us, my sins separate me from God. They do. That's what the Bible says about them. So if I'm tolerating sin in my heart, I'm choosing separation from God. What are we rationalizing? And finally, where where am I defensive? That's another great way. Defensiveness is like a flashing red light for sin in our lives, right? That when, when something comes up and we're like, oh, no, 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 you're the one. You're the one with the spending problem here, let me tell you. It's not me. It's, it's obviously you. I mean, I, or I wouldn't even have to spend all this if you weren't so cheap. I mean, somebody's got to spend around here, right? Like, we get all defensive, And that's a great sign that there's something that's not aligned with God's will. When you have the courage to ask God to reveal your sins, here's the thing. He will. He will. And God's will for your life is that you would be made into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That you and I, that we we would look more and more like Jesus the more, the longer that we live. And so when God reveals things to us, when we say, God, search me, and he reveals things to us, then we have a decision to make. What are we going to do about it? Are we going to get defensive? Are we going to blame? Are we going to say, oh, it's not as bad as others? Or are we going to say, forgive me, God? I want to be like you. I I want my life to look more like you. Here's the bad news. 1 John 1.9 says, if we claim to have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Okay, so if you're in denial, uh, you're only fooling yourself. Not even those around you are faking and falling for it, okay? But here's the good news. The very next verse says, But if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Yes, forgiveness is freely offered to all of us, every single one of us. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's not given because you're great. It's not given because only there was only one reason. It's because Jesus gave his life. Because Jesus paid the price that you and I could not pay. Because God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son who who gave his life so that we, we did not have to perish, but we could have everlasting life. And God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't just send, us, send Jesus here to tell us that we're failures. No, he sent the, Jesus into the world so that we could be saved. 
So that when we say, God, search me, show me what's not aligned with your way, show me what's not aligned with your will, and then we confess that to God, there's forgiveness, there's healing, there's freedom. And that's the thing. We trust the searcher because we know that the searcher has our best interests in mind. We know that if God would search us, that if we would listen to God's searching of us, that if we would confess our sins, that we would actually be better, that our lives would be better. So we say, God, it may be painful, but search me. Do it. I need it. I need your searching. I, I trust your searching because I trust you, God. I trust that you actually have my best interest in mind, that your will is actually better than my will, that your ways are higher than my ways. David gives us one more aspect of the prayer. Number four, lead me. Lead me. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me, God. See, when God searches you, it's for your own benefit. When you experience God's grace and God's forgiveness, it gives you a freedom like you've never expected, never experienced before. You see, God, the life that God wants for you, it's not always easy, don't get me wrong, but it's the best life. It's the life you were actually created to live. It's the life that God has made you so that you would be able to live this out, to live his way, to live his will. It's the life that we ask for an everlasting life. God, I want to be free from sin, and I want to live holy according to your ways. God wants to do a work in you that is just so powerful. This, this past week, I was having a conversation with Eric Wilson, our worship leader, and we were talking about things kind of related to this business of how God searches us and how we need to be searched by God. And, and he read me some things from his journal that I thought were just so inspiring. I wanted to read one of them to you, so I share this with his permission. It says, the more that we know our sin, the more powerful the cross. I like that. The more that we know our sin, the more powerful the cross. As Jesus would say, the one who's forgiven much is so much more thankful. The more our sin dies, the more powerful the resurrection. If we have a generation of believers that do not know their sin, we have a generation that does not know the cross. This creates a generation that cannot be alive in the resurrection, a generation that cannot walk in the Spirit, a generation that will not receive the good news. You cannot live again until you die to sin first. I like that. It's so true. That we say, God, search me. I want to experience real life. The life that only God, the life that only you can give. The life that is better than, than my messed up ways. The life that is, is truly the life that you've created me. And I want to know the power of your cross. And, and as I understand more and more the, the depths of my own sin, I understand how desperately I need the cross. How desperately I needed your sacrifice when I'm trying to rationalize, when I'm trying to justify, when I'm trying to just excuse everything I do, then the cross becomes a, a little side part of my life. But when I understand that, no, I'm a sinner who needs God's grace, 
the message of the cross becomes so much more powerful. It, it impacts my life in such a way that I want to share it with others. I want others to know this same healing, life-changing power. Because when I'm honest about my own sin, when I'm honest about my own stuff, then I understand my need for God's grace and God's salvation even more. Are we really, in our lives, are we really dead to sin? You know, when we baptize folks by immersion, we do this symbolizing death to sin and we raise to new life in Jesus Christ. Are you serious about that business of of death to sin? That I don't want to tolerate this in my life, so God search me. Would you know me? Would you just convict me of everything in me that is not of you? Before I arrived at Anderson Hills, we, we've been talking for a while about this second half of the gospel stuff, right? And it's, it's really good. It talks about how the, the gospel is loving God first, but second, loving others. And this, we talked about a number of stops along the way. And stop number seven is brokenness. Brokenness is the place that we all have to get to if we're going to truly say, God, would you search me? And maybe you came here today and, and you know brokenness really well. You say, oh, I'm so... I'm broken, I'm beat up, I don't know if there's hope. Well, friend, there is. Jesus wants to bring healing. We don't say, search me, just so we can feel bad. We say, search me, so that we can be healed. Because we place our lives in the hands of the great physician, the one who loves you fully, who created you, who wants to heal you, who wants to break the strongholds in your life, who wants, to you to, who wants to break you free from the chains that have held you back, maybe for years or for decades, that, that if anyone be in Christ, that that person can be a new creation. The old is past and the new is come. This is our God. Last week, we took the time in worship to ask God, God, what what do you like about us? What do you see in us? And we heard some awesome affirmation, and that's good. This week, we're going to take it the other direction. We're going to say, God, would you search me? What things in me are not aligned with your will? God loves you. God created you. He didn't create you for sin. He created you for something so much more. Because sin separates us from God. It's not God's will. So we're going to take just a few moments in, in, in just a quiet time of prayer. And I invite you just to pray that prayer that's on the screen right now. Would you pray with me? Search me, God. What things in my heart are not aligned with your will?
Your sins have separated you from God. It's the reality of all humans. We're like a, a teenager who ran away from home, trying to do everything our own way. Maybe you've been off, you've been living life on your own terms. Maybe God has showed you in this time some things that are not aligned. And maybe for you that's brought some fear, brought some shame, brought some sadness into your heart. And you wonder if you could ever come back home again. You wonder if your relationship with the Father could ever be anything like it once was. But maybe you've never realized before that every day the Father's been watching for you. He looks longingly at that road, wishing he'd see you walk down it. And when you say in your heart, God, search me, heal me, forgive me, it's a homecoming. And you're walking back now and you might have your head down in shame. You might be thinking up what you're gonna say to him. But when you look up, you see the father running. He's not waiting, he's running. He's running towards you. There's tears in his eyes. He grabs you, he hugs you, he holds you. You start to mumble something about being a servant because you can't be a son but he won't hear it no because he's too busy rejoicing because his son his daughter is home in the name of Jesus Christ you are forgiven to the one who has lied in the name of Jesus Christ you are forgiven to the one to the one who has been unfaithful in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. To the one who's put idols before the Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. To the one who's walked out on everything that matters in life, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. To the one who's broken laws and done things that you never thought you would do, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. To the one who's arrogant, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. To all of us sinners today, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. So we go and sin no more, as Jesus said. God, thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you that you're with us now as we worship you in song. God, we love you, and we pray this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen.